Welcome to Retina Health for Life from the President's Corner, brought to you by the American Society of Retina Specialists. I'm your host, Dr. Tim Murray, coming to you from Miami. On each episode, we'll bring you inspiring conversations about your sight and the special role the retina plays in making healthy vision possible. We'll hear from expert retina specialists, as well as directly from patients about living life to the fullest with retinal disease. Join us and learn how to safeguard your retina health for life. Our topic today is going to be healthy living and mindfulness strategies with my friend and colleague, Dr. Tara McConnell. Dr. McConnell is an ocular oncologist and retina specialist at the Jewel Stein Eye Institute at UCLA. I've always been fascinated, Tara, by your interest in mindfulness, and I find that this really does play a major role within our ocular oncology practice. Can you tell me what drove you to an interest in mindfulness? Thanks, Tim. It's a pleasure to be here with you. You know, um, like yourself, I have been practicing ocular oncology and doing my best to help our patients, often who have, I mean, almost all of them have life-threatening problems. And frequently, our patient encounters are not about the details of the surgery or about even necessarily vision, but we actually end up talking about life and death and what this means for people. And so after many years having these discussions with people, it, it is really clear to me that it is important that we address not just the eyeball, but the whole patient. And the whole patient means, you know, where is a person in their life? Where are they? Are they happy? Are they satisfied? Uh, what are their goals? Um, what, what things are they harboring that we don't necessarily get a chance to um, catch a glimpse of in our usual ophthalmic encounter? So. I've been, in the last few years, definitely prying a little bit more, learning more about our patients as individuals, and I have been astounded by the importance of connecting to our patients and how we can really direct their care in a far better way when we understand where our patients are. And so, you know, this has obviously been a slow evolution, but I feel that this is critical to us as physicians. And it's important that even people who are starting out in their careers really approach patient care with a human focus because that's how we can be the best doctors. You know, Tara, I think that you and I both appreciate that we kind of practice in, in that area that, that many of our, our patients fear the most, that either of, of cancer that can be life-threatening or diseases that can lead to blindness. And for you and I, many of their cancers are both life-threatening and potentially blinding. Um, I think that's one of the most devastating discussions you have with, with a patient. Um, and it's a little bit unique to the kind of practice that we have within ocular oncology, both in our adult patients, but also in our families with children with retinoblastoma. Do you, do you, how do you convey that kind of information to your patients and, and what are you looking for to guide you as to how you interact with them? Yeah, those are really good, good questions. I think the first thing is it's important to establish rapport, number one. You need to be at the patient's level. The physician comes to the picture with experience, some knowledge, some technical skills, but you have to be, you have to come there with the idea that you're there to serve the patient. You know, you're there to make something better in their life. You know, you're not gonna have all the answers, you're not gonna fix everything, but 
maybe there's something you can do to help people along on this this really unsuspected journey that they've they've begun. And I think if you approach patients with this perspective, you can really you can really get a little bit closer to understanding what's important for them. And once people feel comfortable with their doctors and and really feel that the physician understands them even a little bit, I think that goes a long way in having people follow up, understand the importance. Um, I think that's number one. And I think the second thing is that it's important to remember that there's always hope. And, you know, I talk about this a lot with our residents and fellows in oncology clinic, because, you know, the first impression a trainee has when they come to my clinic is that, geez, this is, this is awful. I mean, I can't even go into this room because there's somebody with advanced metastatic cancer. Well, I think you need to be okay with that. And you have to, even in that setting, there's always something that you can do as a doctor, whether it's hearing out a discussion about what the, that the patient has had with their primary oncologist. Maybe there's some conflict that's going on with what, what steps to take next, but you know, there's always something you can offer. And even when you start making decisions with management of specific eye conditions, um, a lot of what's important to the patient comes into play as to how you're going to help guide them to an appropriate treatment. Yeah, in some ways, Tara, I think that those patients with, with advanced disease are the ones that require the most attention from us, um, where, where you really do focus on what's important to them in their life. Um, I found it's very helpful to find what the, what the patient feels most strongly can be supporting. I don't know how you've felt, but when I operate on my patients, my oncology patients, and we, we put a plaque on and I spend the Saturday where I talk to them in the morning before I send them home, very clear that patients that have that kind of a positive inherent attitude um, that are looking forward to going home and getting back to their life, I think they do better. Um, Jim, you're absolutely right. I think fostering this positivity is, it's phenomenal what that does to people. Um, you know, even if it's, we want you to, we have this plan, we're going to do this and this and this, you're going to be, it's going to be over in a week. And then I want you getting back to normal um, and, and just framing everything, you know, this is what, this is what we do as doctors, you know, how do we, how do we give the information in a way that people can grasp and feel that there's, there's a path forward and that there's, there's hopefulness and there's positivity, you know, we're going to do what we can to treat the cancer. There's things you can do in your life and lifestyle that go beyond, you know, the walls of the, of our office here. And, and it's really important to, to, to really push, push that and stress that and, and talk about it openly. I think, Tim, you've really, you've really hit it. Positivity is everything in healing and recovery. You know, when I, I think I was much more black and white when I was, when I was younger starting this, but, you know, I think when you, when you look at it, your patients really are complex and to be able to look at them with your basic medical care, I think you and I provide outstanding ocular oncology care. But, but they need to be able to take this into their life. So there's so many other complementary strategies. And I think sometimes we forget the simplest things. You know, we'll, you and I know where, what the impact of smoking is, for example. I, I can tell you, um, I'm always surprised to find my oncology patients still smoking. And we spend a lot of time talking about how that can impact their lifestyle. Um, I think you do that even more aggressively than I do. Do you go into diet and activities like exercise? Do you go into support structures like family? Do you talk to them about their, their religious focus? I found people that can have a strong tie 
to something outside of themselves or the patients that really can do the best through their, their journey with this, this difficult diagnosis. Yeah, Tim, you, you mentioned some key things. So I do spend time, the reason it's important to talk about smoking and lifestyle modifications is that that's actually something, you know, you hand the responsibility over to recovery to the patient. You know, if a, if a patient feels that they can do something to improve their situation, you're giving them some tool to, to recover that's very profound. Um, I think people who just kind of show up and don't really engage in the whole situation, they don't do as well. People who, who mentally are prepared to make changes, begin an exercise program, start rethinking how their diet is, and, and even work on their social supports and work on their mental health. I mean, these things come up in our in encounters and you know to differing degrees depending on how open and interested patients are um, but all these are, are important factors to to improving a person's health you know improving health is goes far beyond you know our, our technical skills it goes it goes to connecting to people finding out what's important and and really giving people tools to move forward you know, Tara, I think that's so true. And I'll, I'll tell you the other thing that I think has been so impactful over, over really this last nine months has been the COVID-19 pandemic. I, you know, we're restricted at my hospital. I, I, can, I can't bring family members in unless it's a child or someone that is um, not mentally competent to take care of themselves. And it is so isolating, I think. And even the patients that have good family when they leave, because the connections are so different now, have you have you felt that it's kind of a little more more trying for your patients through this through the pandemic? I would say that overall, I have found that most of the patients that I see, and we always we always talk about the pandemic a little bit in our encounters, have been able to find some silver lining in all of this. You know, life is a bit slower. They've got they actually spend time now that they're not rushing around or going off to work. They're working from home. They're with family. They're closer. Um, you know, going out to eat less. You know, the simplification of our lives, I think, is is indeed a, a silver lining in this pandemic. Um, and so, some of these things, kind of bringing things back to basics, I think has has been actually helpful for people. I think if you're if you tend to be isolated and you don't really have social supports, this can really be a trying time. Right. Yeah, I think a lot of my patients have are elderly and and are isolated. So I think if you're sheltering at home with family, it's a different COVID experience than if your family is away and you're and you're seeing them via FaceTime or Zoom. I I, I find it's been really isolating for most of my patients here. You know, in South Florida where. We are one of the epicenters. One of the things I'm always impressed with, Tara, is that you don't just talk to your patients about this. I, I think you actually live this in your life. So I'm, I'm, I think you always have an ability to center yourself. And I think you think about work-life balance maybe a, a lot more than a lot of our colleagues do. Do you feel that's true for you too? You know, I think it, it, it comes with time, you know, and as you alluded to earlier, we were very different people when we started our careers. And what was important in the first five years of an academic career is vastly different, you know, after a few decades goes by and, you know, you have time to have the rest of life happen. And I think, you know, um, medicine is such a, such a, I'm going to say it's sort of it's such an amazing field 
and we have so many opportunities, but I think so much of it is, is very, happens in a very closed environment. You know, we like physicians and trainees, they all think in a very unified, very similar kind of a way. And it's not until you get out there and you're on your own interacting with people. And, and one of the things, Tim, that I found is that what I find really rewarding to me is not to walk into the OR and have a day filled with surgery. It's kind of connecting to people and learning about how I can really help someone or, you know, a day that I, I make a diagnosis that I only discovered it because I, I found out that there was some stressful events happening and, you know, stressful induced, you know, some physical phenomenon. I mean, these things happen. And I think we just don't spend enough time talking to our patients. The way the way medicine is structured, you know, we, the, the faster and more efficient we are, the, the more we're rewarded. And I think it's very hard to get away from that, that whole paradigm, because that's how that's how business works. But I think if you can step away and just sort of enjoy your experiences, talking to patients, learning with them, helping people understand, finding out exactly what is it that you noticed this week and, and not being so fixated on the OCT. I mean, I, I really feel that most of what we learn from our patients is what they tell us. And I, I think that we're missing a lot of that today. Um, you know, technology and our advances have really taken us far. I mean, we've done, there's amazing things available to treat diseases like macular degeneration, but I think we still have to listen to what the patients are telling us. You know, you can, you can miss an occult myopic CNV if you don't if you don't find out exactly how the vision was affected. I mean, there's so many little nuances that it's really exciting to, to participate in this with, with an individual rather than with a piece of technology. <laughs> and I, I think it's interesting because um, for me, when I went from my academic practice into a private practice, it, it allowed me much more control over my time with my patients. And it's, a, it's, it's really remarkable that being able to spend time with your patients opens another avenue of your relationship to the patients, but also a better understanding of what they're going through. So I really think you're, you're correct about that. And it's really hard the way, the way medicine is structured, especially retina care, um, sometimes to have that opportunity to connect. Um, you've, you've been pretty active also, I think, in the concept of meditation. Do you do you do that and with your mindfulness? You know, there's some very simple apps that you can download to get yourself started. And the idea of meditation, I was talking to some friends of mine um, and we were just sort of, this is about maybe three or four years ago and we were just chatting about it and how we know and we've heard it's a good thing, but we didn't know what to do. So one of my friends knew of an actual meditation instructor. So we all gathered at our place one evening um, and we we had this we did a meditation it was the first time i've ever done it and it was a mixed experience but i thought you know maybe this is worth pursuing and so i started with an app that just 10 minutes a day just taking a bit of time and i can tell you that in four to six weeks i felt like a different person even with that little bit and since then i've certainly explored more you know more avenues and um but I think it's incredibly important. And it's, simple, it's, it's really as simple as just being aware of what's around you. You know, meditation is not going into a deep trance and, you know, levitating and, you know, being on a different planet. It's really just being 
acutely aware of what's happening, you know, what you're feeling, what you're noticing, what you see. And, and we tend to just brush by so much in life. I think that even doing a little bit of this a day is, is going to help keep you grounded and help you realize what's important for you. I don't know, Tara, I think if you levitated, that would catch my interest. So, so when you're ready to do that for us, we'll, we'll have a whole episode just on that. So, um, you, you know, I think that the mindfulness is, is in the self-centering is, is important. But, you know, you also, I think, are a strong believer in trying to have an active lifestyle, trying to, to eat well, to maintain a good nutritional status and to maintain your relationships. How, how do you discuss that with your patients? Well, I tell people, if there's one thing that you're going to change to improve your life, you need to exercise, you need to move. I think that goes, that is number one for all of us. And I think that, um, you know, I'm always surprised at how people really have reduced exercise in their priority list. You know, exercise is, you know, if you want to live a long and healthy life and feel happy, start with exercise. Um, you know, in, in our family, exercise is, it's just, it's part of our routine. You know, myself, I, you know, I think I do a three to four mile run almost daily. And if I don't do that, I'm, we have a trainer bike that I use. And even in the pandemic, you can find ways to be creative. My husband is an open water swimmer and he goes five mornings uh, a week and um, has really, drastically improved his health and well-being. Our children, part of their chores for the day are to do exercise. We have them run on a treadmill, swim in the pool, or ride our stationary bike before they can play with Legos and do fun stuff. So it's just part of life. And I think, you know, like things that are important, if you prioritize it, you know, people will follow. Your patients will will listen to you. And I think, you know, exercise is is it's incredibly important for mental health and physical health. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, for many of our patients, they're not able to do significant physical exercise. And I just encourage them to walk. I mean, even, yes. even being up and around and if they can walk and be outside, and that's one of the nice things about the weather here in South Florida is that's, that's often possible. It, it's huge. And then once they're moving, I, I really think you can see a change almost in their entire attitude toward how they look at things. So if you notice your patients that are, you know, the oldest patients that you treat, say with macular degeneration, the ones that are in their 90s, they are healthy, they are busy, they have schedules. I mean, I've I've been so surprised at, at, at the, the, the 80 and up and over patient group um, that are healthy and thriving. They exercise and they have busy schedules, they're socially engaged, um, but exercise is key you know, do, moving the body. If you don't move it, you'll lose it. Right. Well, and that plays such a big role in your overall health, in your, in your, in the weight that you carry. So, you know, I, I think you and I are alike in trying to encourage our patients to, to sort of control their own health. And that's what they do with the lifestyle and the, the mindfulness and the wellness focus that we have. Um, you know, you and I can treat their cancer and, and I think we can do that incredibly well and our patients do incredibly well but how they do beyond their cancer, I think, is exactly what we're talking about tonight. Yeah, this is a very important topic. I, I really appreciate you inviting me to speak about this. Well, you know, as, as this show is really, you know, Tara, looking for, for what helps our patients, I'm, I'm a little um, impressed too. You also have a focus on wellness and mindfulness for physicians. 
And I think we're seeing a much greater interest in the younger generation in particular of physicians that, that want, to, you know, want to take good care of themselves. So I think that translates into better physicians and it translates into better care for their patients. So I think that's an exciting time. So Tara, I'd like to thank you for joining us. Excellent, coming to us from Los Angeles. Um, thank you so much, Pam, it's a pleasure. It is a pleasure and, and really keep up the good work. So um, this is the ASRS President's Corner talking to you from Miami and Los Angeles with Dr. Tara McConnell from the Jewel Stein Eye Institute. Thank you. Thank you. The other thing for us, Tara, is we're pushing our patients to know that the ASRS website now, which is an opportunity for them at asrs.org for our patients. Yeah. And also, you and I are ocular oncologists, which is rare within the United States. But we also want our patients to know that the ASRS is an organization that can direct them to find their retina specialist or their ocular oncologist. So take advantage of the resources available to you. Um, live, live well, live mindfully, um, and enjoy your life. Thank you. Right, you too, Tim. <laughs> Bye, Tara. Thank you so much.